In praying about my part, tonight I was impressed with uh, the scripture in Ephesians, if you would turn there. There are many, many ideas and opinions about marriage. (laughs) There's lots of books. There are all kinds of uh, activities and and counseling and uh, involvements and excursions and retreats and etc. And I'm not knocking any of them. But there are a lot of things that are not based on the word. And as you know the word, it begins to stand out to you. And if your belief is not based on the word, what is it based on? It's going to be what mom and daddy believed or, or what this one said. And, and even though you might have heard something from the pulpit, that doesn't make it truth. Right? It doesn't make it true. And so you can believe strongly things that are not true. But that puts you in a place of bondage. Only the truth will make you free. Praise God. Do you want to know the truth? About marriage? About family? About the right way to live life? The truth will poke your holy cow. <laughs> the truth will slap your tradition and that can alarm you and that can shock you <laughs> did I lose somebody <laughs> if you've grown in the word you've encountered this more than once you see something in the word and it just hits you and you go whoa whoa that's not what I've believed that's not what we that's not what we've done. That's not what mama and them and, and how we grew up and that's not and at that point you're faced with a, a, a big issue. Are you willing to set aside what you and others have believed and receive the truth of the Word of God? If you will, you'll obtain things other people don't get. You'll get free from things other people don't get free from. So pray it out loud if you're sincere about it. Say it out loud. Father God, God, I believe in you. you. And I hold your holy word word in the greatest esteem. esteem. Your word word is truth. truth. Your word word I receive receive as the standard standard of my life. life. Show Show me. Anything and everything that I have thought or believed or said that is contrary to your word, to your truth. Help me to realize this. And no matter how long it's been that way or how strongly I've believed it or what I've said and done, show me your truth. I'm willing to change. change. With your help, help, I will change. change. In Jesus' name. name. Glory to God. Hallelujah. That one thing has changed Phyllis's my life more than any other thing. That one thing right there. 
Letting the word be your actual guide and standard. Because uh, I don't care how long you've walked with the Lord, how long you've read the Bible. As you grow and develop, you're going to see things you didn't see before. I know I had the privilege of sitting in uh, Brother uh, Kenneth Hagin's teaching and ministering in, in healing school there at their campus. And uh, before I began to help, and even while I helped, I mean, this went on for, I'm thinking about 10 years, then 15 years, and then a total of 20 years, the whole, the whole relationship. But after some years, part of my job was to take the big old video cassettes, not a VHS, these were these, what do they call them, beta, whatever they were, yeah, but giant things, and, and I had to have a great big machine, and, and I would... Um, review them and uh, that's a great job isn't it this is brother Hagen teaching on faith and healing and then I would minister it in the healing school and show them and that kind of thing and after several years of being there I was sitting there one day and man brother Hagen was teaching on some things and I thought glory to God I've never seen that before glory to God and it was changing my thinking and I thought where am I I've never heard this before. And then the camera panned, and it was me on the front row. I thought, no, no way. I was there. I never heard this before. And that is possible, that you were there and didn't hear it. You hear different things based on where you are in your spiritual development and growth. That's why you need to keep hearing the same truths the same scriptures because there, no matter how many times you've heard it, how much you've gotten out of it, there's always a whole lot more you haven't even heard yet. Jesus would say things like this, take heed what you hear, take heed how you hear, for the measure you meet to it, that determines the measure you get from it. So, uh, hallelujah. <laughs> We're going to hear some things we hadn't heard from scriptures we have heard and read many times. But our eyes are open, our ears are open. And uh, one of the things that will prevent you from hearing what God's saying is an unwillingness to do it. Jesus would say, him that has ears to hear, let him hear. Well, why wouldn't everybody have ears to hear? What makes a hearing ear? It's a willing heart, a willing heart, a believing heart, a heart ready and willing to do what you hear. If you have that, it opens up your hearing. Praise God. If you're not willing to hear it, it can be all over you and you don't get it. It's in front of you, you don't don't see it. It's coming to you, but you're not hearing it. So uh, by faith, we say we're willing. In Ephesians 5, are you there now? In verse 24, as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. This involves instruction and correction. 
Many have seen correction as a negative thing. But if you read Hebrews 12 and other places, God chastens and corrects those he loves. You know, you shouldn't be insulted if somebody who loves you right before you go out of the house, maybe you're coming to service tonight, and somebody that loves you and cares about you right before you go out, if they say, whoa, whoa, wait a minute, wait a minute, and they take a bath cloth and they reach up and and wipe some ketchup off the side of your face, (laughs) should you go, huh, you think something's wrong with me? (laughs) Well, no, baby, but there was just this giant, you know, ketchup stain on you. You think I need correction? You think I need help? Well, everybody needs correction. And everybody needs help. If you imagine you don't, then you're saying you have already arrived at Christ-like perfection and need no more input and no more correction. That just ain't so. That he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. This is love. And that he might present it to himself a glorious church not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing. But that it should be holy and without blemish. The washing of the water of the word and the ministry of the Holy Spirit is to help us get rid of the blemishes and the wrinkles. And the stuff. Is that right? Do anybody want some more washing and some more? Yeah, you do. Certainly you do. It's not a negative thing. It's a good thing. He goes on to say, So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loves his wife loves himself. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh. Now there's two words. We're going to see these in other passages. Body. And flesh. And he's talking about it relative to marriage, husbands and wives, and Christ and the church. No no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it even as the Lord the church. Keep reading. For we are members of what? His body of his flesh. The word flesh is the word Greek word sarks. And the word body is the Greek word soma. They're two different words. And flesh, sarks, is what the soma, the body, is made out of. Flesh is what the body, flesh is the substance the body is made out of. We're members of his body Of his flesh. Of his bones. For this cause. Shall a man leave his father and mother. And shall be joined to his wife. And they too. Shall be. One. Flesh. Everybody say one flesh. flesh. Let's say the whole phrase. They too. Shall be. One. Flesh. Say it again. They Two shall be one flesh. Verse 32. This is a great mystery. But I speak concerning Christ and the church. Hallelujah.
Now, this is what I was referring to a few moments ago, that we prayed together and released faith. I'm believing for additional revelation about this great mystery. This is one of the most beautiful things, one of the most amazing things, one of the most glorious things that has ever happened on this planet and in God's plan. And it's something the devil hates. He hates with vehemence marriage, covenant, and family. The devil hates it. And he has done everything he can to destroy it. And he's been far too successful. Marriages and homes and families have been destroyed. Many in society today see no value in getting married or making a covenant with each other. And so people go from one relationship to another, to another, to another. And there's not the commitment. There's not the covenant. And people say, what's the big deal? Well, it's despising and being ignorant of something very holy, something very wonderful that God has chosen and ordained. It's a physical thing in the earth that shows to anybody who has eyes to see it the glory of Christ and the church. Hallelujah. They too shall be one flesh. Go with me back to the beginning, book of Genesis. Genesis 1. Thank you, Father. We're seeing some things. Genesis 1, in the beginning, this is the very first chapter. The beginning of everything that has to do with us. Verse 26, God said, Genesis 1, 26, God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. We are not... Just another animal. This kind of thing is taught in our schools and universities as though it is a fact, as though it is science. And it is not. It is not. I want you to look out for a word anytime you hear something. The word theory. (laughs) If something is proven science, they don't use the word theory. Theory means it's a belief. It is not proven science. Theory of evolution. Theory of the Big Bang. Theory. Now, people get adamant and want to fuss about it. Those who are the so-called experts, the greatest minds in these areas, they don't agree. This includes climate change. The greatest minds in the field, they don't all agree. One of the things about people being such 
proponents of loving the earth, this is not a new thing, this is an old thing. People have worshipped the creation from generation and ages past. It's a recurrence. Romans 1 talks about people worshipping the creation more than the creator. And that's exactly what you see. It's a, I call it green religion. It's a substitute for worshiping the Creator. Now, don't misunderstand me. I don't think you ought to see how quickly you can pollute things and mess them up and destroy them. But the bottom line is we are not just here to serve the planet. God made the planet for us. I know people scoff and mock at it, but you either believe the Bible or you don't. And here's another little insight. Let me give you a clip into the future. The earth's not going to make it. (laughs) Ultimately, nobody's going to be able to save this. Something's going to happen to our star, and the elements of the earth's surface are going to melt with fervent heat. And God is going to recreate. There's going to be new heavens and new earth wherein is zero curse. No curse. We've never been in a place like that. Oh, hallelujah. No curse means perfect weather. All the time. Perfect weather. Means you can run through the jungle barefoot and never step on a thorn. And if you see a tiger, grab him, wrestle him, (laughs) wrestle him, tell him what to do. Isaiah talks about this, right? The the lion's going to eat straw like an ox, become a, you know, animals tearing each other apart is not how God created this world. It's the result of sin and the curse and the devil becoming the God of this world. He's a killer. And that's other topics. (laughs) But verse 27, God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. One of the great mysteries about God is that God the Father, God the Son... God the Holy Spirit are three, but they are also one. Brother Jesse Duplantis tells about an experience he had many years ago where he said the Lord allowed him to to go to heaven. And one of the things that he said he saw, he said he saw the throne. And he saw, he said there were masses of people there. You know, there there are millions of people there. And uh, he said he saw this and he saw the father. He didn't see his face, but he saw his form on the throne. He said it was so powerful, he could hardly hold his head up. He was just draped over. And he said the angel kept feeding him something that helped him be strong. He said, here, eat this. And and he gained strength. But he said something that was amazing to him is that Jesus, the master, would go into the father. And then come out. Their oneness. Is a mystery. They are not the same person. 
Jesus is not the Father. The Father is not Jesus. And yet they are one. And Jesus prayed in John 17 that we would be one even as they are one. There is unity and oneness that we're going to experience in the future that we hadn't even dreamed about. But I'm not going to become you. And you're not going to become me. We're going to still be individual persons. So it's not one, just one mind, but it's unity and a oneness. He said, among other things, he said, Jesus preached. Didn't teach that time. He preached. And one of the things he preached, he preached to the people That he was soon going to come get us. He said I'm going to get your daughters. I'm going to get your sons. I'm going to get your grandchildren. And he said the people shouted. That place roared man. Is it true? Is he coming to get us? (laughs) Tell your neighbor. Help him out. Say he's coming to get us. (laughs) He's going to come get me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We should be shouting about it too. Now why am I talking about this? This amazing oneness is portrayed by husbands and wives in a godly marriage. Paul said this is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. No wonder the devil hates it so much. No wonder he tried, because he does not want a living sermon of Christ in the church being preached to everybody without you saying a word. People just seeing you. Don't let this be too much for you now. I could almost hear somebody say, I don't think they've been seeing that. Well, it ain't too late. They hadn't seen everything they can see. Things can change. That's still weak. I said things can change. Right? Nothing's too hard for the Lord. Somebody needs to say it out loud. Nothing is too hard for the Lord. Can the glory of Christ and the church be seen in your marriage? Can the glory of Christ and the church be seen in your marriage? The Lord works with our words. Over here. Can the glory of Christ and the church be seen in your marriage? Is it possible? Can it happen? Yes. Yes. I'm sure it has happened in different degrees. In different situations. But it can happen much. Much greater. In the second chapter. Genesis 2. Verse 7. I'm reading from the complete. Jewish Bible. On this passage. The CJB. Genesis 2 7. I like the way these. The names here are. It says then Adonai. Formed a person. The Hebrew there is Adam. 
Adam, we say. Adonai formed Adam from the dust of the ground. That word is Adama. Adam, Adam, comes from the word for ground or dirt, Adama. Adonai formed Adam from Adama. It'll be great when we can finally ever read the word for what it actually says without a bunch of uh, language issues. Adonai formed Adam from Adama, and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life so that he became a living being. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Lord. And Adonai God planted a garden toward the east in Eden, and there he put the person, he put Adam, which he had formed. Now the word form is exactly like what a potter does with clay. And the word is to squeeze, to form, to shape. God is the great potter. Hallelujah. He is compression. Do you know that's how a diamond is made? Tons and tons and tons of force squeezing it and compressing it until it is this hard, hard, clear gem. They don't look like they do on the the rings to begin with when they dig them out of the ground, but All that time and all that heat and pressure. Well, God took of the ground and he compressed it and squeezed it until it was flesh. He didn't just squeeze it in any old way, I don't suppose. (laughs) Then he put the man in the garden. Now, skip to the fifth chapter and notice this Genesis 5 and verse 1 it says this is the book of the generations of Adam in the day that God created man in the likeness of God made he him male and female created he them and blessed them and called their name Adam In the day when they were created. Young's literal says. Verse 1. This is an account of the births. Plural. Of Adam. In the day of God's preparing man. In the likeness of God he hath made him. A male and a female he hath prepared them, and he blesseth them, and calleth their name man, or Adam, in the day of their being prepared. We see when God made this single being, there was more in him. (laughs) And that he formed a body of woe man, which means out of man, after that. Let's go to the book, the second chapter again, 
verse 21 and read in detail about this. What we're talking about is Ephesians. They too shall be one flesh. Things have been so distorted the following generations and millennia and the world's idea of all this. We need to go back and see exactly what God did, how things are supposed to be, and get some insight into why they're the way they are. The Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam. And he slept because, you know, he had brought to him all the animals and uh, allowed Adam to name them. This is not some caveman who can't speak, (laughs) grunting by a campfire with a club. This is a being created in the very likeness and image of God, able to communicate with God and have an exchange, an intelligent exchange. Man has not evolved to the high place where he is now. Man devolved. Man fell from a godlike being To where many act like animals today. Can you see this? Not evolution. Devolution. Is what happened. And so. Adam is seeing. Male hippopotamus. And female hippopotamus. Male elephant. And female elephant. Male hummingbird. And female hummingbird. Now we don't know. We can read this in a couple of minutes. We don't know how long this went on. How long would it take? Go through all the animals. This could have happened. Who knows how long? God's communing with his man. He shows him giraffes. And Adam goes, those are great, God. Those are, wow. Wow! We, we need to remind ourselves the devil has robbed people of the awe of the Creator by inserting these false ideas. It removes, it's all designed to remove God. But what kind of God makes a puppy? What kind of God makes these amazingly brilliant colored birds and fish? If God's the way some people say he is, there'd only be three colors of fish. Light gray, medium gray, and dark gray. Because you don't, you don't want to get too flamboyant. You don't want to get too overboard. You know what I'm talking about? If God was the way people say that he is. But the earth... All the plant kingdom, all the animal kingdom, it's in a terribly fallen condition. And still, what beauty. What amazing diversity. What variety. What beauty. Bright reds and yellows and purples and 
Not just a handful of fish. Billions of fish. Right? Not just a few bananas. More bananas fall off the trees than the monkeys could ever eat. God, His glory is amazing. We should be as His children in awe of Him. Shouldn't we? Looking up into the night sky, the psalmist said, it declares the glory of God. All those stars are speaking. They're saying, somebody is keeping us burning. (laughs) Somebody is keeping gravity going, holding all this together. Somebody, and his name is Adonai. His name is El Shaddai. His name is Jehovah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Our great God and Father of our Lord Jesus. So Adam Adam is seeing all of this. And uh, and the, it said the Lord said there was no help meet for Adam. <laughs> and I'm sure Adam noticed that. He's like one, two, one, two, one, two. Uh-huh. <laughs> so So at, the Lord caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam and he slept and he took one of his ribs and he closed up the flesh thereof instead and the rib which the Lord God had made from man made he a woman and brought her unto the man <laughs> would this have been amazing or amazing could God have done it a different way this is the way he chose to do it he wanted the woe man that literally means out of man to come out of the man that's the way he ordained it to be and uh, when Adam saw it he said And if you look at the text, this is an exclamation. This is exclamation. He's saying, basically, wow. (laughs) And this is bone of my bones. Flesh of my flesh. Well, see, he's, he's been in the mode of naming things for a long time now. So he says, here's the name. Woman. Because she's taken out of man. Out of man. Therefore, this is why a man will leave his father and his mother and cleave to his wife and what? They too shall be one flesh. Say it out loud again. They too shall be one flesh. Now, a lot of Christians have changed this and said, and they try to make it say one spirit. Or they try to make it mean one spirit. That's not what it said. And that's not what it means. Because you're not one spirit. He that is joined unto the Lord. Is one spirit. First Corinthians 6 says. He that is joined unto the Lord. 
is one spirit. You say, well, we need to be one spirit. You're never going to be the same person. But you can have unity. And the unity is dependent, let's say with Phyllis and myself, how much unity we're going to be in, walking with the Lord, will be dependent on me being one with the Lord and her being one with the Lord. The more one with the Lord we are, can you see what's happening? We're going to the same place. And the more one we are with him, the more one spirit we are with each other. People have said all kind of stuff. Well, you know, marriage involves a lot of give and take and and it's a 50-50 proposition and it's all this and it's all that. That's all this-minded. And that's not what makes a marriage work, a good marriage. No, a good marriage is a hundred-hundred proposition. A hundred percent you committed to the Lord, a hundred percent them committed to the Lord. Come on, are y'all with me? And, and if you're growing more like him and they're growing more like him, you're growing more like each other. Because you're both becoming more like him, one spirit with him. And it has to do with commitment to his plan and his will. Brother Hagen, Kenneth Hagen Sr. used to say this concerning marriage. He's to young people who were looking and, and, and believing for a spouse. He'd say, find someone of equal commitment to God and build a life together for Jesus. Equal, that's, the Bible says, don't be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Why? They're not trying to become like the Lord. Right? If you're trying to become like him and follow his plan and they don't even believe in him, how can two walk together? You're not wanting to go the same. When Ecclesiastes says, how can two walk together except they be agreed? That basically means you've agreed to go the same direction. If you and I are saying, well, we're going to take a trip together and we get out here in the parking lot and we we pull up to the road and, and I'm trying to turn the steering wheel right and you're trying to turn it left. And we, we haven't agreed on whether we're going north or south. How can we make a trip? How can we make a trip? And, and that's the big obstacle that people run into is one person had all these things in mind that they wanted to do and their vision and their dream. Another person had different things in their mind. And, and a lot of folks, amazingly, they don't even talk about these things before they get married. They don't talk about Kids or no kids or, or how many or, or where are we going to live or, or who's going to work and who's not and who's going to do this and who's not. And, and people just say, all we need is love. <laughs> That's all we need. All we need is love. And we love each other. And sadly, many of these marriages don't last because they get into it and realize you need a few other things than love. You need trust. You need commitment. There are some other things. (laughs) Let's finish reading this. Or or, I I should say, I want to read some other translations to you. Young's literal. As you can tell, one of my favorites. Jehovah God said, verse 18, Genesis 2, 18, not good 
for the man to be alone, I do make him an helper as his counterpart. Husbands and wives that are pursuing God, they complement each other. Phyllis and I just celebrated, by the grace of God, just a few days ago, 40 years. 40 years of marriage. And uh, we dated several years prior to that, so we've been together uh, quite a while. And uh, thank God, as you've heard our testimony, we had some rocky times years ago. And if it hadn't been for the goodness of the Lord helping us, uh, we wouldn't have made it. And so uh, I know a lot of people have had marriages that, that failed and had been some folks been in multiple relationships and marriages that didn't work. And, and uh, there's no need to look back and there's no need to feel any condemnation about mistakes. You're either forgiven or you're not. You're either clean or you're not. Is that right? But what are we going to do now? And if we want relationships that don't fail and that work and that not only don't fail, uh, but not just something you endure, but you can enjoy and grow and develop then it has to be done very differently from how the world does it there are so many people in the world and even in the church they don't like things that you will hear taught around here but they don't put two and two together how miserable they are in life either (laughs) oh they have their way they have their say they have their view of what they think is the right way to do it But they are miserable and they are experiencing such loneliness and such pain and failure in relationships. But but don't try to connect it to their beliefs. No, if we're going to have something different than the world has, we must do something different. Very different from how the world does. Let me keep reading this to you. Because this is, to me, this is humorous when you see the, the actual literal text verse 21 Jehovah God causes a deep sleep to fall upon the man and he sleeps he takes one of his ribs and closes up flesh in its stead and Jehovah God builds up the rib which he has taken out of the man into a woman and brings her to the man now we know today for millennia people wouldn't have understood this but all the DNA is there in that piece of body And God built off of that a complete human being. He's amazing. He's awesome. And people can mock and scoff at us about believing this if they want to. But one of these days they're going to find out. Because every knee is going to bow. And every tongue is going to confess. And the smart ones do it now. And listen to what this verse 23 says. And the man says, this is the proper step. (laughs) Actually, the word is and proper is not there. So he said, this is is the step. (laughs) The Living Bible, I think, gets it right. Says, this is it. He made the woman. He brought it to the man. He wakes him up. And and Adam's first words were, this is it. (laughs) This 
Then he's seen giraffes and elephants and hippopotamus. But this, this is it. (laughs) Don't you think that's great? And that is the literal rendering. This is it. This is it. So ladies, you're it. You really are in, in a lot of ways in that you are the last thing he created in the creation of the earth. And every part just kept getting greater and greater and greater. So, you know, don't let it go to your head. But <laughs> the first man said, you are it. This is it. <laughs> Hallelujah. Go with me to 1 Corinthians now. Let's look in the New Testament how it fits with this. He said, this is bone of my bone. This is flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she came out of man. And then it goes immediately to say, for this cause. This is why a man will leave mother and father. And cleave to his wife. And tell me again what the word said. They two shall be one flesh. Flesh is the substance that the body's made out of. Sarks and soma. I know I'm getting a little technical on you tonight. But is that okay? I mean we want to get it right. We want to know. Sometimes the details help it click in a different way. They too shall be one flesh. When a man and a woman get married. And they enter into a covenant before God with each other. They're not supposed to be just absorbed into his family. Or hers. And let his mom and daddy. Run their lives. Or her mom and daddy. Run their lives. This is unscriptural. This is not doing what the Lord said do. Wise parents won't try to do this. Wise parents, if you're not moving quick enough, will tell you it's time for you to go. <laughs> I love you. I got you back. I'll be here for you. But you need to go. Why? Leave. And cleave. God's plan is that you, apart from undue influences from other people, you develop your home, your union, your relationship, your family, your life. It's not supposed to be a stamped copy of anybody else's. And you need to stop. Telling each other, yeah, but at my, in my house, and, and yeah, but we ain't in your house no more. <laughs> yeah, but my mom and my daddy, yeah, but this ain't your mom and daddy. This is me and you. <laughs> Come on, are y'all with me now or not? What does it mean? Leave and cleave. You're not an integral part of it. Now, you love them. They'll always be your folks. But you're not to try to live like their little child. Come on. 
Because you're not a child any longer. And they're not supposed to run your life. Let's just say it. See how it feels. (laughs) We're talking about grown married people now. Said out loud, mama and daddy daddy are not supposed to to run our lives. lives. (laughs) Mm -mm, It's not right. Leave is a strong word. Cleave is a strong word. Cleave, similar word in our English vernacular, is glue. And we're not talking about that cheap glue. We're talking about that gorilla glue. <laughs> that, that, you know, two-component glue that you better be ready for it to be set when you mix them together. And you only got a few seconds or elsewise your hand's stuck there for the rest of the afternoon. That's the kind of glue we're talking about. Because what God has joined. Oh, Hallelujah. There's revelation here. God formed a man. Hallelujah. He made male and female. Then he took out of the man and built up and formed the woe man. And then he said, he decreed it. Even this is way back before the fall, before all of this. Because of this reason. Because of what a man is, what a woman is, how they've been created. Man, leave mother and father, cleave to his wife, and it harkens back to what they once were. One flesh. I said it harkens back to what they once were. One flesh. Oh, the Lord's answering our prayer, saints. He's answering our prayer. Somebody lift your hand and say, thank you, Lord. 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 And even though I believe our joinings will last beyond this life, marriage itself does not go beyond this life. Jesus said, the world to come, those that, and the sons of the resurrection, they don't marry, they're not given in marriage. They're like the angels, and they can't die. That's us. (laughs) Hallelujah. That doesn't mean the person you spent decades with down here is not going to have a special place in your life and you and theirs. It's just things are going to be so different that marriage itself is what's being transitioned out of from here. But covenant doesn't go away. Hallelujah. And we'll be able to remember things that happen in this life. But what is a man and a woman and and a godly marriage a type of? Christ And the church. God made his man. Out of material he made. And is communing with the man. At a high level. Of intelligence and understanding. And the man fell. Satan became the God of this world. And the chaos that you see today. Is the result. Things are not like they're supposed to be. 
But Jesus came, he paid the price, he rose from the dead, and the gospel is preached. And all that will believe, there's a power in the gospel to those that believe to become the sons of the living God. And when you do so, you are baptized or immersed or placed into the body of Christ. Oh, somebody say the body of Christ. The body of Christ. And now, hallelujah, soon and very soon, you are a part of the body of Christ. I am a part of the body of Christ. And what's being prepared for in heaven in the very near future is that all of us will comprise the bride of Christ. Hallelujah. And we are going to experience a oneness with the head of the church, our husband, the Lord Jesus, that we haven't even grasped in our minds yet. But we get glimpses of it in a godly union between a husband and wife. We get glimpses of it. It's a great mystery. Somebody say great mystery. First Corinthians 6, please. One of the biggest enemies... Of godly unions is confusion and ignorance and deception about sex. Don't raise your hand, just, just look straight ahead. <laughs> but you know as well as I do that millions of unions, marriages, have been severed because of sex outside the marriage with other people. Ministers, laity, all over the place. And it's not by coincidence that sex and nudity is everywhere in this world. And it has increased. I mean, just since I've been a boy. I mean, the stuff that is shown, primetime TV, and the things that are said, I mean, it would have been a national scandal back in the 60s or 70s, right? And it has become common. And there is strong reason for this. And it's aimed at the destruction of marriage and family. Because you can't, no matter what people try to say, how enlightened they are, you cannot have godly relationships between husband and wife and a good family with free sex. Impossible. People try to say, oh, no, no, you know. It's, well, <laughs> let's read the text. First Corinthians 6. Now, this is not just some opinions that I'm having here. 
This is, is 1 Corinthians 6 New Testament? Let's read it. 1 Corinthians 6, 15. Know you not that your bodies, your what? They too shall be one flesh. Your bodies are members of Christ. We read in Ephesians, we are part of Christ's body. And our bodies are also members of Christ. This is something not widely believed. Because people will say, it doesn't matter what I do with my body. My body is my body. Not if you're a Christian. It's just not true. If you're a Christian, your body is not your own. This body, I want you to put your hand on it. This body has been bought with a very high price. And this body, this body is an, a permanent part of the body of Christ. You will say, no, 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 I'm going to lose this old body and get a new body. Mm-mm. It's going to be this body glorified. Some people think they don't like that. Oh, no. I just, I wanted to get rid of this one and get a new one. Listen, honey, when the glory gets through with this one, you're going to be happy with it. You're going to be very, very happy with it. And it would behoove us to appreciate them now. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. And I know there are all kind of imperfections because of the curse and everything else. But you lose this, you can't stay down here. This is your earth suit. Right? It's the only way you can stay here in the earth. And here's where the action is. This is where the gospel's being preached. This is where people are getting saved. This is where the building materials are coming in for the kingdom. You don't want to leave here too quick. You want to get in here, do your job, run your race, finish your course. And it'll be over soon enough, I assure you. Soon and very soon, you're going to be out of here anyway. But this body, this one. The Lord has bought it, paid for it, included it as a permanent part of his body. These two shall be one flesh. In order for that to really happen, our body is going to have to be changed just like his glorious body. And that's going to happen. But here he's writing to the church at Corinth. And one of the big problems with the church at Corinth. Is that they were enlightened sexually. The church at Corinth. Man. Everybody had sex with everybody. Before they got saved. And when they did get saved. You still got the same body. And the same things were still happening in the city everywhere. So he's having to tell them, the Spirit of God's having to tell them, he said, don't you know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ, talking about your body, and make them the member of a harlot? Now this was a, a prostitute. God forbid. Keep reading. What Know you not that he which is joined to a prostitute is one body? We cannot... Join bodies with strangers without any effects. 
It's too involving of the person. The world will tell you it's no big deal. It's just sex. But it is a big deal. Of two becoming one flesh. And you can become one flesh with somebody you don't even know. And there are repercussions of that. It's not supposed to happen outside covenant and covenant commitment. Keep reading. Know you not that he which is joined to an harlot is one body too, says he, shall be one flesh. He applies what he said in Genesis and what Jesus said about husbands and wives to somebody being physical with a sex worker. 17. But he that's joined to the Lord is one spirit. So he's distinguishing between one flesh and one spirit. Flee fornication. This is sex outside of marriage. Flee it. Run from it. Every sin a man does is without the body. But he that commits fornication sins against his own body. You're doing something against your own body that you don't even realize that you're doing. What? Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you? Now you just think about this. This building, the building in Branson, we're so thankful for them, these properties, and they're good, nice properties and comfortable. And when the Lord gives you something nice, how many think you ought to take care of it? Best you know how. How many agree... We should not, no matter how much money we could make, we should not rent these facilities out during the week to ungodly stuff. Let's say some uh, Satan worshipers wanted to have a meeting. (laughs) Or people wanted to, you know, have orgies in here or whatever the thing might be. Would that be okay? Well, this is not actually the temple of the Holy Ghost. We are. We are not just our spirit, but our bodies. It does matter what happens with our bodies, what our bodies are involved with. He said, don't you know your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and you are not your own. You're bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit. Which are God's. Both of them are God's. This idea that your body doesn't matter. And doesn't matter what you do with your body. Lies. Completely contradictory to this right. God's talking about two things here. Your body and your spirit. Both of them have been bought. Yes your spirit's a part of Christ. Your body is also. A part of Christ. Hallelujah. You're bought with a price. Glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. No matter what has happened in the past, you can receive and honor this and do this going forward. Do you believe it, saints? I want to give you three things that sex is not. You okay? It's pretty quiet in here. I want to give you three things that sex is not. 
And the reason we need to talk about it is because the world will tell you that it is these things. And it's a lie. It's not. Sex is not the ultimate experience. The ultimate experience. So much of entertainment, movies, shows, books, whatever, it endeavors to portray people looking for the ultimate experience. And much of it will lead to sex. Maybe on the first date. Might have known each other for a few minutes. But it's this ultimate epiphany and experience, and none of this is true. Sex cannot be the ultimate experience by nature of what it is. It's physical. It's not spiritual. (laughs) It's physical. It's compared to eating food in the scriptures. That's what it's called. You're going to read the Song of Solomon, right? You're going to see it's repeatedly compared to eating food, eating and drinking. Why? It's physical. Physical. The greatest experience is experiencing the fullness of the presence of God. Sex can't compare to this because. This transcends physical. This is spiritual. Bodies are bodies. Sex should be something special. Between man and a woman in covenant with each other. And it can be great. It can be wonderful. But don't try to make it something it's not. And don't let the world and young people. Don't buy in to this ultimate experience thing. Don't, no, no, no hands raised. Everybody just look forward. But there have been so many people so disappointed. I told you just look straight ahead. Just, just look straight ahead. Because they saw movies they shouldn't have seen. They read books they shouldn't have read. And oh dear me, it was, you know, fireworks. It was out-of-body experience. It was this amazing thing. And when folks had sex and they thought, really? I was thinking there would be more. Oh boy, I'm getting a lot of looks drunk. Am I making stuff up or? Sex is not the ultimate life experience. It can't be. It's physical. Secondly, sex is not love. Sex is not love. The world pushes this so hard. Terminology has been created making love. Sex is not love. People have sex with with folks they don't even know. People have used sex as a weapon and and been cruel to people with sex. It had nothing to do with love. Sex is not love. Now, 
two people in covenant that love each other, they can express love through everything they do. Words and sex too. But sex itself is a physical act. God is love. Come on, y'all with me. And young people, listen to me. If anybody brings up, if you really love me, you'll go all the way. You need to get out of there right now. Right now. I love you. I have to have you. Ain't love. I love you. I need you. I can't live without you. Has nothing to do with them loving you. They love what they think you'll do for them. Has nothing to do with loving you. And you're going to get hurt. It's happened so many times. The devil and the world tells people, well, you're, you're getting older and you're going to miss opportunities and, and you'll get old one day and nobody will want to have sex with you and, and you'll wish you had, had, had not passed up on these. No, you won't. No, you won't. No, you won't. Because number one, sex is not the ultimate experience anyway. And sex is not love. Sex is not love. And thirdly, we may touch on some of these some more, but thirdly, and this is a revelation here. And don't just think, well, I don't know if I agree with Brother Keith or not. Scripture. Sex is not a necessity. Sex is not a need. Say what? You heard me. Sex is not a necessity. Sex is not a need. Oh, yeah, Brother Keith, I think you're wrong on that. Well, (laughs) I knew you might say that. So uh, go to 1 Corinthians, 7th chapter. (laughs) Why are we talking about this? Millions of marriages have been destroyed. Destroyed. Because of believing lies about sex. Now, I need to say this too. There's something that can be practically as damaging as pornography to marriages. And it is feeding on false romance materials. Say what? You heard me. Pornography is bad. And what it is, it's portraying something that's not real. And the the purpose of it is to get the, the viewer, the one feeding on it, to focus on something not real and despise what is real and be dissatisfied with what's real, longing for something that is not real. Well, the same thing happens with phony romance. You can watch movies and you can read books and and different things where this guy and this girl 
are so in love with each other and, and he does everything perfectly and she does everything perfectly and, and, and you think, well, why isn't so-and-so like them? <laughs> because they ain't like them. <laughs> and yet people, you know, folks that are deaf on pornography, they'll eat that stuff up, feed on it several hours a day like there's nothing wrong with it. It can be just as damaging to your marriage as pornography. I know some folks may not like that, but I'm telling you, isn't it the same thing that you're viewing something that's fantasy and not real, and it makes you dissatisfied with what is real? It's the same thing happening. One of them's more accepted than the other. Neither one of them's okay. Don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying neither one of them's okay. I had a young couple when I first got into ministry, been married a few months and one of them was working with me and said brother Keith uh, well it was the man he said can can me and my wife come see you and I said well okay and, and they came and you could tell they were distraught and they'd only been married a few months and and uh, so I said well guys what's what's going on and and she began to tell me you know that he wasn't this and he wasn't that and it wasn't like so and so and so and so a man and a woman's names and and I looked at him, and he was kind of cringing through the whole thing. And I said, who are they? She kind of looked down. He said, Brother Keith, it's a, it's a TV show. <laughs> now, we're laughing, but their problems were real. And, and she said, she broke down in Christ. She said, well, you don't love me like Tom loves Kristen. And these are actor names. Like Tom loves Kristen. And, and, and he said... I do, Brother Keith. I tell her, I tell her all the time I love her. She, and she said, You're just saying that. <laughs> and he looked at me like, help me, please. <laughs> how how many understand now? Is everybody awake? Yeah. What you see on a show that is produced, on a lot with sets, is it real? No. That's not everybody. The truth is, the guy playing Tom is Bob. He's been married five times already. Is that right? Couldn't make any of them work. And oh, he's peaches and creams. He's amazing. He is wonderful. He's so sensitive. He's so understanding. He does everything. He never forgets anything for the 29 and a half minutes that the show is airing. And then when the director goes, cut, he goes, all right, great, I'll see you. He's gone. He's back to his trailer. They may not even like each other. And yet, the enemy is convincing people to compare their relationships with something that doesn't even exist. It's not even real. It's a fabrication. I'm not saying it can't be better, but don't compare Something that's not even real to something that is real. Selah. <laughs> Think about it. Where are you? First, we were First Corinthians six. We we're actually making our way to chapter seven. These are this is written together. First Corinthians six. He had said, "You're bought with a price." 
Glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. In chapter 7, he says, Now concerning the things whereof you wrote to me, it's good for a man not to touch a woman. And he talks about, verse 2, Nevertheless, to avoid fornication, having sex outside the marriage, let every man have his own wife and let every woman have her own husband. Now, did the Spirit of God talk about these things openly and publicly? We haven't talked about this enough. People hide it and cover it and pretend. But there, there have been problems all over the place. Verse 3 is where some might say they disagree with what I just said about sex not being a need. Let the husband render unto the wife due benevolence. And likewise also the wife unto the husband. Some translations have changed this into meeting each other's needs. But that's not a good translation. That's a paraphrase. The word literally says, let the husband render unto the wife her due. That's the whole phrase. Benevolence is not even in the text. Her due. What is due her? And says the same thing about her giving to him what is due him. As a husband and wife in a relationship. Goes on to say. The wife has not power or we might say total authority over her own body. But the husband and likewise the husband has not power or total authority over his own body. But the wife, defraud ye not one the other, except it be with consent. That's mutual consent. You you and your spouse agree that you're going to fast for a while, and so you're not going to have relations. That you may give yourselves to fasting and prayer. And then come together again, that Satan tempt you not for your incontinency or your lack of control or lack of restraint. We must stop pretending that sexual attraction is real. And powerful. We, we must stop acting like this is not happening. We want to get renewed in the spirit of our mind. And know what the truth is. Sex is not the ultimate experience. Sex is not love. Sex is not a need. Now why would I say this? Look at what he said. Later on in the chapter. I'm going to give you some other things that's going to make this real clear in just a moment. He said, be good to read the whole chapter again. Skip down to verse 36. If any man think that he behaves himself uncommonly toward his virgin, now to understand this passage, The King James is a little difficult here. The word virginity does not appear in the King James. And yet virgin can apply both to a man or a woman. And the word her is added in these verses when it it should not be. This is not talking about a man controlling his daughter. And deciding whether she can marry or not for the rest of her life. It's not talking about that. It's talking about both a young woman or, and also a man 
who's going to control his own virginity. Verse 36, and without taking time, one example is Revelation where it says that there were these individuals who were virgins. And the same word there in Revelation, talking about men, is used here in this passage. So virginity. If a man think that he behaves himself uncommonly concerning his virginity, and if she pass the flower of age and needs so require, let him do what he wills, he sins, let them marry. Nevertheless, he that stands steadfast in his heart, having no necessity. Everybody say, having no necessity. Having no necessity. Say it again, having no necessity. Having no necessity. That's another word for need. Having no need, but hath power over his own will and hath decreed in his heart that he will keep his, actually the Amplified says, virginity. He will keep his own virginity. Doeth well. Why? Having no necessity. Say it out loud. Having no necessity. Say it again. Having no necessity. Say it again. Having no necessity. If sex is a physical need that everybody has that needs to be met, like the world will tell you, then Jesus didn't have his needs met. Paul didn't have his needs met. Come on, are y'all listening to me? And anybody that's not married is forced, an adult I'm talking about, young or old, divorced or widowed, or whatever the case might be, that's not having sex has needs that are not being met. This is not true. I said this is not true. You can live and not have necessity. But the enemy is trying to do everything he can around you to work against it. If you're not married, you're not supposed to be having sex with people. You don't need to be feeding on things that stir this up, which is about 85% of everything. Is Is that right? Of every show, I don't care if it's daytime, nighttime, articles, books, movies, publications, it's all trying, it's portraying attractive bodies that are not covered. Is portraying sex as the ultimate experience. And if you're going to live without necessity of that, it's just tormenting yourself for no reason. I mean, you're, you're stirring up things that you should leave alone. Oh, we're really talking about it now, aren't we? You can make it hard on yourself or it can be easy on you. Sex is not a need. And as far as spouses, yes, if you're married, the Bible teaches that there are things that are due to your spouse in the relationship. It doesn't mean I have to have sex X amount of times, or elsewise my needs not being met. That's an ungodly, untrue, worldly thing. Sex should be something special. Between a man and a woman, husband and a wife, in covenant with each other. And if this is how 
it happened, instead of all the other stuff, there would be no abortions. Be no terrible destruction of families and all these things. The enemy did not create sex. But he has convinced most of the world that it's something that it is not and something that it cannot be and he's using it to destroy relationships. He's using it to destroy marriages and families and bring unwanted children and all kind of abortion and all kind of things. If if the sex wasn't wrong, all of this would go away. Can you see this, friends? It would all go away. Homes destroyed. Relationships destroyed. Hearts torn apart. Lives torn apart. Millions killed. This is not some small thing. Sex. We are to be enlightened ones. We don't have to think like the world. We don't have to believe. We don't have to see it like the world does at all. How many would like to be completely free from the world's concept of these things? How many would like to be completely free from torment of unsatisfied things when you could have no necessity? I don't believe Jesus lived day in and day out tormented because he wasn't married. Do you? No way. I don't believe Paul struggled week in and week out. Because he wasn't married. Thinking I don't have my needs met. Don't have my needs met. Not true. Just not true. Don't have to live that way. Doesn't have to be that way. Stand on your feet everybody. That's probably enough to chew on. (laughs) Don't be in too big of a rush. I want us to pray just a little bit. Oh hallelujah. Hallelujah. Just focus on the Lord. Let your eyes go to Him, your heart go to Him. The scripture says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind you may prove what is that good acceptable and perfect will of God close your eyes say it out loud Father God as a choice of my will I don't love the world I don't love the ungodly things that are in the world I love you and your ways and your truth cause to come into my understanding a complete renewal of mine concerning marriage and sex families the body of Christ enable me to see it the way you ordained The way it's supposed to be. 
free from this world the perversion and the twistedness of it. I ask it in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. 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 This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.